0: It was impossible. I, I just told you what it was doing and it was monetizing from the get go. And the margin and a million was, back
1: then was more like twenty million now.
0: And the also the margins were great. No one would refute that. No. But no one would loan a penny to a female.
1: Uh,
0: and I didn't have a husband. I didn't have a wealthy husband.
1: Yeah, they never let women do anything. And I, I heard I heard uh, a million <clears throat> about that today. She's like there was Oprah, me, she said herself, and Barbara Walters were the only women that were doing anything, right? Like they wouldn't let women have money.
0: Well, she doesn't know me, so.
1: Really-
0: <laughs> no meaning, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I'm no, just- No, I know,
1: I, I'm, I'm including you in that category. That's what yeah. I'm- i said yes. you were in that category.
0: Yes, and so it was very, very, I mean, I agree with her. And you were
1: doing it before, because she's only like in her forties or fifties. You were doing it way before any of them were doing it. You're listening to the Heat Fluids Podcast, and we're having candid and actionable conversations about your health, relationships, business, and ministry. And now here's your host, the second chance Coachman, Michael David Huey. Welcome to another session of the Heat Fluids Podcast. It's been a really awesome day. Today I've recorded, this is my second podcast I've recorded today. <laughs> And, they, and, and let me just tell you this. I just said this before my guest today, Megan DiMartino, and I were talking. I told her that I got to interview two of the most impactful people in my life in the last couple of months. Like, and I was actually sharing with my friend Leah, who I just interviewed, about Megan. And I told her about the people that have inspired me in my life and the people that have really spoken to my life, right? And I think, you know, my wife says this all the time, like she just really loves to listen to the interviews, right? On the podcast, because she feels like she knows the person deeper, right? And, and what did, what did the, the word of God says that God said he'd leave the 99 to save that one, right? That mm-hmm. one person, you know, I, I look back at the fruit of this and, and we're going to be scaling the podcast here in the next couple of months or so after I launch my course and do some other things. And I think what's super, super important is I had the opportunity to sit at a table with Megan just recently in Colorado and um I realized that we go places and do things and we have this expectation of what it's going to be like or what's going to happen and you know all the connections you're going to make and then when you come back sometimes it's not always the way you thought it was going to be and then you realize and you start realizing the reason why you went and you know I've said this before one of them was my friend Leah that I just interviewed one of them was Megan one of them was that I got to spend time with my friend Tamara and Gary Andrus, right? Like and my friend Christy, right? Like all these people. And um, and that's what that's what life is about. Life is about relationships. What life is about, you know, Lee and I were just talking about <laughs> she was laughing as she was sharpening before we we started the interview. She's like, okay, you have a pencil and a piece of paper. And I was like, yeah. And she she said, write these things down, right? And I said, okay. She said, I never want you to say this, 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 and this, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to replace it with this, 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 and this, right? Because where's, where's life and death? It's in our tongue, right? If we continue to say, oh, I don't handle situations well, or do we say, I'm going to handle situation with God's grace and mercy. love?' So we reverse it, right? And when I listened to Megan, like she interviewed me on her podcast the other day. And she's just a person of integrity. Like she's been an entrepreneur for many, many years, half her life, right? Half her life. And um, she's, she, I, I i call her the female Jack Benny. She's 39 years old. <laughs> she's always going to be 39 because she looks young, right? And I always tell her, I told her, I said, you know, a couple months ago, I said, I told her this, I said, your latter days of your life can be greater than your former day's life. And sometimes as we get later in our life, like I just had a birthday yesterday and, and you start to think like, and it's really funny. I was listening to my friend, Chris Wells, text me today. He said, Mike, what are, what are your goals? Like, you're one of the most encouraging people I know. What are your goals? Mm-hmm. somebody from outside of you to take a look at yourself and say, okay, I know what I got this going over here, but I want to step into God's perfect will for my life in every area of my life, not just business. And then I woke up today and had all these new clients that had signed up with us today. We had one of our best days that we've had this year, right? And, it, and I think it's because I've eliminated distractions. I've eliminated uh, the negative talk. I've eliminated. No, and this is what my wife said to me. And then I want to introduce Megan to you guys. Is my wife said this to me today? It was so profound. She said, "Did you ever think to look at all of the birthday wishes and comments that you got yesterday?" And um, I said, "Actually, did it last night." And I, and I did it. I did it for a while. We. She's like, "Why don't you do that?" Because she had encouraged me. She said, "What did you see?" And she said, "Why don't you focus on those and not the negative? Why don't you eliminate the distractions and focus on the?" And she said, "Do you know there was over seven hundred people that messaged you and said." Happy birthday. You've encouraged my life. You've changed my life. You've made my life different. That's what you need to focus on. And so here's someone that I get to interview today that has done just that. She's told me things that I probably didn't want to hear, but I needed to hear. She's encouraged me. She's made me see things from the outs. We were just talking about this before we prayed about taking a step back, right? Sometimes we jump in with our mind, our will, and our emotions, and then our spirit, soul, and body says, take a step back, right? And I was listening to two of my best friends who are my accountability partners last year. And I have two more different ones this year. And they were talking about that, about what happens in your soul when you're super intentional about the things of God. Right. And so my friend Megan um, is a pioneer, right? She's, she, you guys can't see it, If you watch the, the, if you watch it on YouTube, which we're going to be launching a YouTube channel, but even if you can't see her, when you do see her, she's always smiling, right? She's always smiling. She has this beautiful smile. She's a beautiful person. Um, I told her she looks 25 years younger than her age, which is another blessing thing of that. Right. Uh, and it's because she started at a young age, taking, doing self-care, like creating products, uh, mm-hmm. life-changing products. Right. And she's still, we were just talking right on about her. She wants to even go deeper in that and understand things better and, you know, sleep and all the stuff that goes with that hydration. You know, I, I had, a I had a, um, a young lady in a room a couple of weeks ago, Narita Joy, who's a. Famous developer of skincare, and 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 I said, "Wow, I get to be around so many amazing people that teach me self care. that I can't help but not want to work, take care of my self care." So, Megan is is just an amazing person. You guys, she has helped create teams. Uh, I'll, we'll talk more about this later. You can go to her website. She has her own podcast that I was that I was just on. That's unique leaders live podcast that is phenomenal, and you have to go and listen. And uh, she's just an amazing person. You'll you'll be able. We'll talk more about this, but you can go and. Find out more about her at MeganDMartino.com. You can find out a lot of the things she was, she's was she been doing. She's just an inspiration. So welcome, my friend Megan, to the Heat Fluence podcast. I'm excited. I feel like I know her, but we're about to really get to know her. So welcome, my friend. I'm grateful you're here.
0: Thank you so much. I just loved listening to everything you shared right there, Michael, least of which a little bit about me, but just uh, this, we have such synergy in our uh, you know hearts and spirits and uh, in our careers. And it's just a joy and pleasure to be with you. I'm Thank so glad
1: you. you're here. I'm so glad you're here. And um, it, it's it's funny when you get the opportunity to be around people that are doing the same things you're doing. Like they're they're they may be doing it in a different direction, but their heart yeah. is here, their mind is is connected. My, our friend Tammy Anders always says it's not just heart minded, it's or like minded, it's heart minded, right? Exactly. I, I think exactly. That's, that's super. So, so tell me about like where I I know she's from New York. She's <laughs> She still has a little bit of the New York accent, a little bit. She's getting ready to go back to New York at the end of the month. It's really funny. I just uh, I just scheduled some trips today. Um, I'm going to get to spend – I go about three or four times a year and spend some time with my mom, which I think is super important. If you're not doing that, shame on you, you know, um, and uh, I'm a big football fan, a college football fan, so I'm going to go to a college football game this year a couple – Um, I'm a big Buccaneers fan, so I love to go to sporting events. So, uh, yeah, tell me about your days growing up in New York and how you've got to where you are now and things that you're looking forward to doing going forward.
0: Well, I am a New York girl deep in the heart of Texas. I live outside of Austin, Texas, and I have lived in Texas since 1987. So in another three years. Yeah. So in another three years, uh, I will be here as long as I was in New York. But I grew up outside of uh, Uh, New York City. And both of my parents were immigrant children, and uh, my father was um, uh, Italian, Di Martino. His, gra- his parents were from Italy, the Naples area, and my, gra- my mother's family. Uh, my grandfather was from Ireland, and my grandmother was from Germany. And so that is a complexion or an essence that I really do think that sets a foundation, you know, of mindset, so to speak. My father was in the Air Force during the Second World war, he was stationed in uh, Italy, ironically. And so after the war, he got a job with a large paper company uh, that uh, manufactured many, many things. But he, one of the products he represented was tissue for underbedding in hospitals. My father was a true, true entrepreneur. I mean, he was, but also, there are a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, Michael, that, you know, the word is misused, I I believe today, but um, because you have to be creative to be an entrepreneur. Many people just sell, sell, sell. And that's not necessarily an entrepreneur. But my dad um, took this tissue and cut it up. And brought it to salons because his father, my grandfather De Martino Alberto, was um, came to the. This is actually interesting. He came to the United States at sixteen, not as a baby, and he came by himself. Because when he was born, he was a twin and his mother didn't have enough milk. And so a neighbor person uh, nursed him. So he wasn't that he wasn't close with his family, but he also was close with this other family. And so when they were coming to America, he came with them, he did. And so at 16, he got a job in a fancy hotel in New York City and he was what is called a tin cup boy mixing the shaving cream. And so he ended up evolving to being a barber. And love, though, doing ladies' hair, according to the stories, because he passed when I was a baby. So I don't remember him, but I do remember all the stories. And so he would do the Ziegfeld girls and all of that, because it was right near Times Square. So a very wealthy guy from Freeport, Long Island, which is about, oh, like I've, we've been talking about Long Island a little bit, and it's about 30 miles, you know, maybe 25. So pretty close to the city. So people would commute. And so this uh, wealthy man, Um, invested in my grandfather and he and my grandmother, of course, and the uh, three boys moved out to Freeport, Long Island. So the boys worked in the barbershop slash salon. And so he my dad observed his dad doing perming. And back in those days, it was like those rocket ships, you know, but the perm rods were ends were covered by cloth. So then by the point that my father uh, got his hands on this tissue, he said, I bet this would work for perming. So he brought it to salons in New York City and it was one tenth the cost because by this point they were using a product called mesh, which is a non woven material, and they were reusing it, which was not sanitary. So, but it was also expensive. So, we were packing N wraps in our basement. I was like five, six, seven, and that was my first involvement in the beauty industry. So, my father, who was working, as I said, for this large company. Uh, hubs paper company they did they weren't a kimberly Clark but they were kind of a second tier down and the, he went to one of the board members and shared about his end paper you know phenomenon here and that man left this paper company and went into business with my father and and uh, really financed that whole project and my father was smart enough to put it together uh, where he had it, it was somewhat independent because this man was older. So he didn't want to get caught up in a family drama with this man. So my father built this empire, end paper empire, okay? I mean, Goody, the rack jobber, you know, you go and get barrettes and bobby pins. Though You see the tissue there for wraps. That's my family's business. So wow. They- for, uh, for you know, uh, Con conair now, which was Zotos, you know, so uh, the end papers was his foundation. But during the 70s, he developed dental and medical laboratory paper related products. And so by the time uh, the 80s came around and I was Um, I had just divorced my husband and I was working in Manhattan in, you know, in the fashion world in sales. And uh, actually I worked for an advertising uh, company, but it was very difficult for small children. And so he kept saying, come and join us. I want to add some products to the beauty division. So it was such a great opportunity because I was able to. Because I, I realized this that I was able to do, you know, product in R and D, then product development, then packaging, and then taking it to market and then selling it. So I had a sales background in fashion and beauty, but also in um, uh, advertising. So with that said, it was a great experience, and I put together several products for them. That uh one was the original nail towel, because the acrylic world, acrylic nails started coming happening in the 80s. Not the Asian thing yet, but meaning that had not evolved yet. But all of the original Nail companies, and most people don't know this, come from the dental world because uh, acrylic nails are powder and acrylic from bonding teeth. So um, I, you know, went to the distributors and then to shows and asked, what did they need in reference to paper? And they were using terry towels, waffle cotton towels, destroying because it hardens like the teeth, right? And so we put together the original nail towel for the industry. I probably would have stayed there, Michael, but my father was uh, retiring. He didn't really ever retire, but he started taking time off in the late uh, in his late 80s, his late 80s. Wow. Uh-huh. But another significant thing happened to me, which is part of my story is and it's in my book. Um, that I wrote and uh, published in December of 2019 and went to number one on Amazon January 4th, which is my mother's birthday, uh, 2020. But uh, this, the point I want to share is that I had moved to Connecticut with my hu- um, husband, and I went to Bloomingdale's in Stanford, Connecticut to apply for a job. And they said, Well, with your background uh, and your education, we're bringing in this line from London called Biba. And you might have seen Biba on um, the movie with Freddie Mercury in the, and Queen, yeah. but because his girlfriend Mary worked at Biba on Carnaby Street. Mm-hmm. I, uh, it was fabulous because they were putting it in the junior department. So this was in the mid like 73. This was revolutionary. And so I was the uh, a part-time Biba manager manager and I was trained by their makeup artists and so forth. One day in the junior department, Don McLean's bye-bye American pie drove the Chevy to the levee. That song was playing. I remember clearly. And I said the Holy spirit spoke to me and I said, someday, I didn't even know the Holy spirit at the time. But I said, "Wow! I someday I'm going to do this because as a young kid, being brought up by Ray Ray DiMartino, my dad, this entrepreneur, this but this massively creative guy, and my mother was creative as well. I have that creative gene in me. So Imagine. I was I was a little kid that did the lemonade stands and put on the plate. <laughs> I was a kid that
1: I can up- see you doing that. I can see you doing that.
0: Yeah." So basically, I was, you know, I knew then. I'm talking about when I was young that I was going to do something creative, and then fast forward to 1973 when I was in Bloomingdale's and said, "Someday I'm going to create something like this." Now I had no right, seven, you know, a 23 year old person to say, "Someday I'm going to create this," but it goes back to those dreams, goals, and aspirations. Yes, and so that that seed was in me from the inception of me, really. And then it just kept getting germinated, you know, that seed, time, harvest. And so it it took a long, long time and the story is too long, but that was the beginning seed, meaning when, when I was a kid, but also then. And so then when I worked for my father's company, which was as I said, in the eighties, um, I worked with them from 82. To, um, the only negative was I had to move from Ridgeville, Connecticut, where my yaya's my great girlfriends who are still my friends, um, were, but I moved to the Eastern end of long Island, not in the Hamptons, not the fancy area, but uh, <laughs> I moved out East where my father had moved his plant and so forth by this point. And, um, and so that was in '82. I worked with them from '82 to '87, and that's when I was recruited by Alcon Laboratories. And I, and who, and it's a publicly traded company. It's owned by Nestle, uh, which is a European international company. And um, Alcon, though, if you wear uh, contact lenses, you know Alcon because they manufacture products for the ophthalmologist and the dermatologist. They had just bought a small lab um, of. Uh, pharmaceutical, NDC-coated hair products, some somewhat like Rogaine and Nioxin. And they wanted, though, to repackage and reposition the line. So I had developed all these products for Rayson. Ray is my father. Son is my brother. And so people didn't necessarily know I was Ray's daughter, but they knew I was the towel lady. A lot of people called me that. And so... Uh, <laughs>
1: That's funny. I don't don't see you as a towel lady, but okay.
0: It was my first creation there with the um, was called the table towel for nail services. I love it. Acrylic nail services. But the gentleman that was running that division for Alcon um, solicited me and asked me if I would be interested in interviewing for the job. So they flew me to to Fort Worth and I interviewed. I was offered the job. It was a big move. I was thirty seven. And I moved from New York by myself with my younger daughter. I have two daughters. They're five years apart. So the older gal was finishing high school that she was going to be a senior. So she finished in on Long Island and the younger gal was 11. She had no choice. So she moved with me and that was challenging for her. But you were a uh, single
1: mom at the time, then I'm guessing.
0: I've been really single all my uh, parent all my uh, adult life. I was married for 10 years, but that person was not present. I'm not going to go into it, but um, he was not present. That's all I'm going to really say. So, um, so I finally divorced him though in 1980, married in 1969, and um, was married until 1980. And I worked all through my um marriage because he just was um. Not present. So, um, but that was fine for me because I wanted to do that anyway, you know. And a lot of that is in my book. This early period of my life.
1: You're an author too. I forgot to I forgot to say that you're you're an Amazon top author. So I forgot. Yes.
0: Yeah. And uh, so I'll share a little bit about why I even did that. But I then, um, you know, but I took that job uh, honestly. One reason I really took the job with Alcon is remember. In 1973, when the Holy Spirit said, someday you're going to create something. And by this point, I had recognized that I really wanted to do that. Really, really saw the opportunity. I had been trained essentially through working with my family's business. And then, but I recognized because there was no Mr. Google. There were no websites. No,
1: there was none of that. There was none of
0: that. So I. don't no help and I wasn't a chemist. So I said, you know, I need to work with a company that I can learn. So I took that job because I was able to hang out with very sophisticated chemists who were very generous with their interest uh, interest their information and very supportive of me and so i was able to glean that information and that gave me the confidence that i could someday you know, i didn't just bolt out of there i worked with them for five years and then in 1991 left and started my first brand glycolic and i launched that in the summer of 92 um, at the distributor trade show that was in Las Vegas. So basically in those days as well, there was either brick and mortar or there was wholesale. There was nothing in between. Mm. You sold to a department store or boutiques or you sold, um, you know, to wholesale. At the fair or
1: wholesaler or somewhere, right? Yes.
0: Yes. So, you know, it was either a department store or wholesale. My background had been in the beauty industry in national sales and marketing with my family's business and then with Alcon Laboratories. So that's who I went to. And I mean there were no I mean there was nothing. <laughs> nothing. And you you inter- needed the word "no,
1: is that what you're saying, Megan?
0: Nothing to to you know get information from nothing. And went but but God guided me to Alcon as well because not only was I privy to uh, hang out with these chemists, but I also was privy to information because it was a publicly traded company. Hmm. And so because of that, Michael, I learned probably around 90, maybe 80, late 89, that Avon was going to launch a product in 1992. That, so there was a large, you know, um, which one runway of it.
1: I want to know then, because an Avon product helped cure my acne that I had when I was a little kid.
0: Well, my products could do that as well, but they've been around today. Well, but this product, a new based on glycolic acid, was being launched in the spring of ninety-two. Oh, wow! So my marketing head, yes, because if you think about it, Avon, you know, has the Avon lady, the catalogs, and so if they were going other than Skin So Soft, which is a bug repellent, if they were going, <laughs> together, I love that. A man. It's true. I've heard, you're not the
1: first person I've heard say that. No, so. oh,
0: that's the only branded product that they really had in the older Avon, you know, history. So for them to put their money into branding something with a name, my marketing head said, "Hmm, this glycolic acid must be something." So I went to the head chemist, Raymond Raymond and after excuse me, after hours, I'd bring him a beer. Hey, Raymond, let, you know, and, um, and, you know, he enjoyed sharing information because I was like a sponge. And I asked him about glycolic acid and he starts talking about alpha chains, beta chains. I said, whoa, whoa, you're talking to me, let's let's talk me. He says, well, I guess exfoliation. (laughs) I said, okay. (laughs) And he said, well, (coughs) it's been used for years for eczema psoriasis things of that nature yep i then started calling labs in the united states not just in dallas or fort worth and um are you doing r&d and glycolic acid everyone said no they didn't most didn't even know what i was talking about wow really it was so like you said earlier pioneer yeah for sure yeah and finally i found one and they had they hadn't manufactured anything yet but they were doing r&d and they had wow. it in dallas and the reason that, that dallas is a significant skincare manufacturing area is because of mary kay and beauty control so a lot of chemists come work with those companies and then a few of them have started boutique aesthetic labs And so this one that I called, uh, they basically were just private label. They didn't do any branded things. And so um, so which was fine. And I shared that I was interested in developing a glycolic acid product. And they said, well, we're working on R&D. So I went over and uh, we ended up working together and I put together glycolic. And I launched that in the summer of 1992, and Avon had launched a new in April. And to this moment, like you said about your acne, to this moment is the most successful single product launch of their 130 plus
1: years. Wow! And it's still—it's it's funny, Man, It's still like a—it's a five billion dollar a year company. Oh, huge, huge. And, and I didn't even think about that. Like I just thought about—you know—I took him when I was a kid, and you talked about 91, 92. I was right. graduating from college, mm-hmm. right? and and literally after that, I moved to Florida, and I've been here ever since, like almost 30 years now, right? So I was just, I, when, I I I love taking notes and looking at things, and it's really funny. I didn't even know their headquarters was in the United Kingdom, right? That's all right. And they were founded in New York in, mm-hmm. in 1886.
0: Yeah, it's an old, old company. Yes. Unbelievable. Yes. 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 A very, very uh, strong history. Someone must have bought it and moved it to the UK, uh, but it it was in New York. Yes. And it's a very, very old company. Yes. So when glycolic acid, their product, anew, was launched, it was revolutionary because not just anew, but my product, Glycolic, because It did something like I shared with you the other day. Prior to that, basically, skincare was more European oriented, very, very emollient oriented, very rich. Very heavy, but not result oriented, with ingredients that did something. So that this was revolutionary, and that's why a new sold like that because people saw a difference. And the same with my glycolic. The only problem with glycolic now. Remember my dad, the end paper king. Okay, mm-hmm. he was one of my greatest uh, champions, but wow. he. But he would call me, Michael, and say, "Don't do this." And I, he said, "I will not invest any money." I said, "That's okay, Dad. That's all right." And he, and but the reason he said, "Don't do this," is because he knew the life of an entrepreneur is not easy.
1: Yeah, he'd already went through it sometimes.
0: Yes, yes. So um, anyhow. I I did um, do it, so to speak. But I was I thought I was capitalized, and this is one of the things that I share with all entrepreneurs. Really, entrepreneurs that have a product, you must be capitalized because if you don't, it will it'll be just such a challenge from the get go. Glycolic shot off like a rocket because people saw a, a result, and I was holding on to the flame. You know, I was like, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I went to the distributor Trade Show in August of 92. Everyone bought it because they knew me. I had a relationship. What do they say in sales? People buy from people well, they know, like, and like trust. And, trust. and yep. they trusted me. They knew me. And they said, you know, I have no idea if this is going to work. Skincare has never really worked in the uh, spa, salon, rather, industry, because spas hadn't happened yet, okay? Okay, that's a very important yeah. point. But they no, said, you spas. know, yeah. yeah. And they said, I don't know if skincare will work, but, you know, we trust you. It's not expensive. It's a small line. We'll give it a shot. And it sold out like that at all the fall shows. Wow! So then I was like, oh, my God, what do I do now? So therefore, it was a struggle from the get go. And eventually the lab that bought the uh, excuse me, manufactured the products, the one I told you about, they ended up buying glycolic and I ran it contractually for them for about a year and a half. And then I, I was able to take it out.
1: They bought it. They bought it. They bought it from you, basically.
0: They did. I sold it to them and ran it contractually because I felt at the time this struggle was so great and I wanted, but it was over a million at this point. It was doing at 1.2. And I felt that it would be a way to then monetize it and then start anew. anew. <laughs> and, well, Megan, uh, let me ask you
1: a question on that before you move on. Yes, in my mind started wandering here. Yeah. How it does, right? Like we said, we're gonna let the Holy Spirit. I, I let me ask this question. So if that had happened now mm-hmm. with Instagram and all of this stuff and buyouts, what type of buyout would that have been?
0: Well, I thought you were going to another place, but let me share it with another point. Okay. It was impossible. I just told you what it was doing and it was monetizing from the get go. And the margin back
1: then was more like 20 million now.
0: And the, also the margins were great. No one would refute that, no. but no one would loan a penny to a female. Uh, and I didn't have a husband. I didn't have a wealthy husband.
1: Yeah. And they never and, let women do anything. And I, I heard, I heard uh, a million <clears> about that today. She's like, there was oprah me she said herself and barbara walters were the only women that were doing anything right like they wouldn't let women have money right
0: well she doesn't know me so really, <laughs> no meaning i don't mean that disrespectfully i'm oh, just i know
1: I, i'm i'm including you in that category that's what yeah. I'm, i said you yes. were in that category
0: yes and so it was very very i mean i agree with her and you were
1: doing it before because she's only like in her 40s or 50s you were doing it way before any of them were doing it
0: I listened to Amelia one time recently and she said something about the 80s. So she was doing something, you know, um, I I don't know. And I really do not know. But I'm concurring. It was not good. And the other thing was, Michael, back to what you said about Instagram and other things. um, The other complexity was that I went to some venture capitalist on some level, let's just say that. And A, because I was a female and B, they wanted to gobble it up and own it. And so I factored and I did every which way from Sunday, you know, to keep it going and growing. So I felt, and it was, it was the best decision actually, because it, I was able to, because they were not going to utilize it the same way. So I just helped them and then started again. And again, back to these distributors who said, you know, no, like, and trust, they said, okay, let's get going again. You know? So they were, I started Novita, which means new birth, new life. The other reason I did this is because I wanted to take the onus off of a single ingredient, which was glycolic acid. Because there's tremendous R&D during the 90s because of the um, growth, like ascorbic acid, vitamin C, and things of that nature, an antioxidant technology. So it was growing. And so it was time to re-engineer glycolic And I felt that, well, let's just not only re-engineer it and add new more products, because it was a very short, tiny little line, but also change the name that would be able to stand the test of time, which it is. I still have it, you know. And so it is Novitas Spa Clinical Products and uh, sold to spas. Some of them, you have them, they're all
1: over the place. They're on Amazon, they're on in spas and everything.
0: Spas, medical spas, on our website. We sell a lot on our website. You know, Michael. During the lockdown last year, I brought in because my where my manufacturer um, who is like my son. I've been he's been making, uh, developing, and manufacturing these products forever. Um, He's up in Dallas. And so right before, uh, so he manufactures into fulfills orders for me. And right before I, I could see the handwriting on the wall with what was going on in the world. And so I brought in a fairly large order into the, the spa building. And I never went dark during last year. Every day I got dressed, went down there, and we sold almost as much as we did in that period the year before. Wow. Yes, as long as FedEx was open, I was open. <laughs> so, yeah, it, awesome. was, it was a remarkable. I mean, curbside yes, but also shipping. So it was a very interesting time last for many of us last year, and all of us for sure.
1: Now, but Megan, anyway, is that the products that you gave? That's the products that you gave me. The little yes, things, I guess. yes,
0: okay. yes. And we called that the miracle experience kit. Yes, and it. it's yes. So basically, to just tie all this together, um, I have been following my dream, my goals, you know, my dreams, goals and aspirations forever. But the other thing that I learned by a fluke and was so blessed by this, but when I had had my second child, I had to stop working at Bloomingdale's. And um, so this would have been 75 was when she was born. And so But I need, we were living in Connecticut and I needed a car. Now I have two children, no car, because my um, ex-husband worked for IBM, not close. So he was uh, in a carpool, but he uh, often drove. And so I occasionally had a car, but I needed a car consistently with these kids. And I needed to make some money. So I was at the tennis court one day playing tennis to keep sane. And the kids were all there playing. And some lady was having a party or something going on over there. I walked over because I'm a very curious person to see what it was. And um, it was a Tupperware party. Ah. And so I had never been to a Tupperware party. I didn't have Tupperware. But I was aware, you know, Johnny Carson made fun of Tupperware. And so I asked this woman who was the hostess of this party who was I played tennis with, I said, well, uh, what do you make doing this? And that's a recruiting question, I guess. And she said, oh, I'll have my manager call you. So the manager calls, comes to my home, sitting at my kitchen table, and she, you know, goes through her basic overview, and she gets to the manager piece, like, oh, and managers um, get Ford LTD station wagons. <laughs> and I, and she goes on to the next page, like trying to close me. And I said, excuse me, could you go back to telling me how you get to be a manager? And she looked at me like, please. And I said, well, I'm really not interested in selling plastic bowls, but I am. I'm interested in that car, and she then told me basically you started you uh, start having parties, consistent sales, you start recruiting people, six people, six people, and you become a manager. I said, "Okay, I'll do this," and scraped up the forty bucks and became a manager. And so, <clears throat> early on in this management role, my unit was called the Megaphones. Um, I realized that, and I didn't understand it at first over the years, it, it, I, it you know, crystallized, but what I was doing was we were not the largest unit, but we were one of the financially strongest sales units because I recruited strong people and not because they were superstar salespeople, but from my heart, helping them identify their dreams, goals, and aspirations. It could have been helping, the, you know, uh, raise cap- capital, so to speak, for the son's college or whatever. Mm. But I helped them then. And I was 26 at mm. first. So I worked with the Tupperware Corporation as a manager because I m- became a manager within six months. And I was with them. Got your car. And I saved money. And then I knew I had to get divorced. I knew I had to. And I bought myself a car and saved some money and gave my car back. And that's when I was working in Manhattan because I really needed a career job. How long did you
1: do uh, Tupperware, Megan.
0: Uh, from, uh, from the summer of, uh, I was going to say 96, from 76 to almost 80.
1: To oh, almost, for four years. But this is a small inside story. Uh, so my best friend growing up, his mom worked on the corporate side of Tupperware for 30 and she retired uh, eight years ago, 10 years ago. I
0: think it's a very well-run company or it was in those days. She did really well.
1: She she Mm -hmm. was, she did very well, you know, with them for a long time, 30 some years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, I learned so much. From that experience, because I recognized later on that, that, uh, you know, they say, find your purpose. Well, your purpose is really revealed to you. And my purpose is to help others find their dream, you know, identify their dreams, goals and desires and help them actualize it. And so I have been building teams since I was 26. And you build a team, and the team the team builds the business. So, as I said, we were one of the largest. Uh, we were not by numbers largest unit in the distributorship out of Fairfield County, Connecticut, but we were the the top five always in gross sales. Wow! Mm-hmm. So. You know, I learned so much, though, about marketing from them. And it's always a husband back in those days. It was a husband and wife team. The wife was the superstar seller. And then they recruited the husband who had a business background. Uh, And they people came from all over the country to different areas. Who had been successful, so I really was blessed by that, and um, and then went on and used those skills to build these other businesses. And one was helping my dad build, you know, this other uh, division, which is still growing uh, very strongly. Um, wow!
1: Yeah. you had your hands in a lot of cookie jars.
0: I learned a lot of business. You know, you were smart. Learning.
1: I mean, you you had you had multiple streams of income over your life, and now you've learned to do that. That's so so good. That's so so. Yes. you, so let me ask you this question. So if, if, if you're a a young woman Mm -hmm. desires an entrepreneur to be an entrepreneur, like Mm -hmm. this is not a coincidence that you're talking about this because Leah and I just talked about it before. She's like, um, she was a nurse.
0: Yes. I remember that.
1: Mm -hmm. And she said, um, you know, Michael, what's your wife making as a nurse? And I was embarrassed to tell her, like, you know, you know, you live in Florida, the nurses don't make any money. You go to, you go to, you know, Texas or New York or somewhere or Ohio, they're making 50 bucks an hour. Right. Mm -hmm. And and here my wife is making 35 bucks an hour doing COVID testing, Right. And and this, the thing Leah said was, is your wife is a coach. She has a spirit of it. She can do it. She goes, I make way more money, Mm -hmm. multiple six figures, as a coach and your wife has more just, just as much talent as I do mm-hmm. so if, you're a, if you're an inspiring woman who desires to be an entrepreneur what would you say to that person what would you say oh this is so good what would you say to the younger Megan or the younger Lisa or the mm-hmm. young mm-hmm. entrepreneur mm-hmm. that is seeking to be an entrepreneur and maybe or maybe they've tried and they've struggled right mm-hmm. to that woman
0: Number one, love what you're doing because if you do not love what you're doing, it will you will never it will not work because then you will vacillate. You will second guess yourself. You will you go from one, you know, a pivot to the post. You know, you have to love what you do. I have been persistent all of my life in staying in the same track. Now, it doesn't mean that I haven't evolved. And I have because I came to Austin from Fort Worth in 2004 and started a luxury spa, which evolved to a luxury. Day, clinical, medical, and wellness. So, it, but it's always been in the foundation of what I do, in the wheelhouse of what I do. I love people. I love helping people. I love helping teams build. And so, if you love what you do, it's not work. And so, there have been times, my friend, that I've had my own personal tsunamis and pandemics, but I knew, and I could go off into other things of that nature, but bottom, which is pointless at this moment, but is the bottom line is what sustained me through them is knowing that this was my, this is what I'm to do in this life. I'm to, to create I'm to create things that help others, meaning from a tangible position, but then also, even if the tangible piece was gone, i.e. the skincare line, I would still help others help themselves to identify what their dreams, goals, and desires are, help them then actualize it. So you have to love what you're doing. And if not, don't do it because it is not, you know, it's not a sprint. It is a marathon. It's critical. And then today it is so much easier, though, because so the, um, and I'm going to use the word easy, and that's not um, correct either, but because the same principle stands. But why I say easier, you don't have to have a product, you can have an idea, you can create.
1: Ooh, that's good.
0: And put makeup on, you know, and sell, ma- then buy makeup brushes, wholesale and sell makeup brushes. You follow. So you, you, you know, you can have your Kajabi um, website with uh, affiliate programs. You, there are so many ways to make money that you just, it, it was, it didn't exist. I didn't have a shopping cart. I had a URL, by the way, since 98. People say, like web guys and gals. I was like, oh my God. Um, But the reason I did is I had such sophisticated marketing material that this one company came to me and said, could I borrow your material? I'd like to, uh, I'll set up a website for you (laughs) because they would do a training. And so I got, that's how I got my first URL. But the point is, that there were no other forms of sale. I said earlier, wholesale and retail. And so over the years, I did have the products in Henry Bendel in New York City, Bergdorf Goodman, and um, you know, but, but the point of the point is I have been focused on the salon slash spa industry. I am a medical esthetician personally, I love doing work, Um, but, you know, over the last years, I haven't, but I'll jump in the room if someone's sick, you know, and do that. And I actually miss that, quite frankly. But what I'm saying is you must, must love what you do. And then with a commodity that you can manage, because if you have a commodity that and I'm talking about developing a skincare line, um, if you don't have the capital to do that, don't do it. That's why MLMs have become so popular, you know, but because you have to have the capital to build something like I've done.
1: Isn't it, isn't it funny um, and I'll finish with this because I want to let people know how they can connect with you more and learn more about your, about what you're doing and some, a lot of things that you're doing going forward is, is my friend Jamie cross um, super, super successful at making uh, skin products. She made soaps and she did super, super well just as a pastor's wife and her, and they had a church, they have a home church and, um, and she was making all of them by hand right? oh, wow. and so do like superb like, I think 10 million, you know, yes. revenue. Right. That's and, tough. Uh, well, people are. I mean, she didn't say this, this is how I conceived it, that she said it. People don't like industries that make products better. Like you brought up network marketing industry. Like my thought processes is, is not everybody's going to like every single way things are done. And now Jamie has taken that company and put it into network marketing and scaled it five X within a year and a half.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. Like,
1: that's how an entrepreneur looks, does right. what Richard right. says, and right. looks three and five and 10 years down the line and says, right. I can't keep doing this by myself. I need help. Right. Like, let me just inspire women. Women already follow me. I've already used ClickFunnels to build this massive business. Why don't I just take it out and, and have millions of people all around the world doing what I'm doing?
0: So, you know, so I told I'm, her,
1: so your stuff's expensive, right? But it
0: works. Exactly. Well, that's the key. You have to have a product that performs first and foremost. If something doesn't perform, then you should not do it either. So like you said, with Jamie's product, it performs. And so she's just really evolved her mode of sale. And, you know, quite frankly, Michael, as I shared earlier, that um, um, during the pandemic lockdown, um, a guy knocked on my door and said, would you like to sell me your business? And I'm like, why don't you come on in? And I was just trying to leave. Come on on in in and have a
1: seat. Let's have a seat. Let's have some tea.
0: Six feet over there, six feet over there. That was March 31st. And I said to the man, um, as we talked, I said, because I knew, as I knew, back to the Holy Spirit, I knew my time with that um, brick and mortar was coming to a close. Even though I had added regenerative stem cell in 19 and it did very well and I was loving doing it, you know, I'm not a nurse, but meaning uh, running it and helping people. But I knew that that was coming to a close. I just could sense it in my spirit. So when he came and knocked on the door, I basically, maybe a week later, I said to him, I'm not interested in selling the trade name, the product line, the website, the URL. And he said, that's fine because he had other marketing plans anyway. He really wanted it for the equipment, the location, you know, the the brick and mortar. Okay, so we closed June 2nd. And so at that point, I consulted for him for a few months. And then since then, I have been redoing the website because it was a spa site. And uh, I've added an affiliate program, wholesale ability to buy online. I'm putting it out Re-occurring here.
1: Reoccurring revenue, right, Megan?
0: Absolutely. Reoccurring revenue.
1: You do the work one time, you tweak, work one time, tweak. And then it just keeps coming in over and over and over again.
0: But I I am going to put this out there into God's, you know, network that I basically am ready to sell Novitasba. You see, it's an asset. And so that's why I really didn't want to sell it to him and tie it in. He wouldn't have paid the proper money for it. And and basically, um, you know, I wanted to do whatever, you know, but I'm the Lord has put in my spirit that it's time to lighten my load with that and do finish my course, which is called Propel, a business and life accelerator to start, scale, and sustain the business and life of your dreams with my five C's, clarity, courage, commitment, and confidence uh, and compassion. Um, And so basically it's two modules, start and scale, and then sustain is going to be a, a mastermind. And so this is coming. And um, also I am now doing working with a company called LifeWave, which is a 17 um, year old business that has um, non-dermal patches. And they just brought out two years ago, a stem cell activation patch. And I am so pro uh, photon light energy and uh, peptides, i.e. then stem cells. So that's a lot of words, but the bottom line is I want to ha- continue to help people with their health well, so I call it beauty and wellness with benefits,
1: beauty, wellness, and wealth, basically beauty That's right. wealth for Megan. I love it. Right. Well, Megan. Thank you so much. This was awesome. I learned more about Megan now, so I'm going to be around her for a long time to come. So it's really, doesn't really matter, but we just get to, you know, I always say there's certain people that come into our life. Like Lisa and I were talking about today of people that I want her to meet, like people she's heard me talk about that I've got to meet and I've got to be around because she's a nurse. still. Um uh, and 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 I can't wait for Lisa to meet Megan. I can't wait for Lisa to meet my friend Leah. Uh, I just did an introduction to them earlier today, my friend Tamara, There's just so many people, Christy, like all yes. people that I just can't wait for my wife to meet. And Megan, you're one of them because you're oh, an inspiration you. to uh, me. As a friend, as a mentor, um, you know, uh, I'm not gonna say a motherly figure, even though you could probably say that because you you sure, you say sure. oh, that would that that would be for sure. True. That would be true.
0: For sure. Um for sure. You, you
1: just had to have been 12 when you had or no, I'm just kidding, or yeah, right? You're 12 or something, whatever. But no, that's, that's, I, I
0: do have a motherly heart. You do, I mean, you do have I a do. motherly
1: heart, hundred percent And you know, I, I never asked you about I, I never asked you this before we go. Um, how, are you still close with your two daughters or are still two daughters around? Tell me about, a little bit about that before we go.
0: Yeah, well, they're five uh, years I was apart, curious to know, as
1: you know, I said, I'm
0: five years apart, and the older gal, as I told you, finished high school on Long Island, and she we used to ski a lot, and she, uh, I introduced her to Boulder, Colorado, you know, coming back from a ski trip at a steamboat, and uh, she said, this is where I'm going to college, and she did. She put in for early admittance, and she did, and she never left, so she's still in the Boulder area. She lives in Lafayette and I have one grandson. And um, so they are they are there. Love and it. so I, I see them, you know, intermittently. My younger daughter, who, as I said, moved to Texas, um, she stayed in Texas and she uh, married a gentleman that is um, in well, he's has dual citizenship, and they um, they have a home still in Austin, but um, they recently, during the pandemic, moved to Toronto.
1: Oh, and they're still there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fullest move, and you know, but he is from there and he has family, and he just felt it was time, uh, to do that. So they're there, and of course, you know, there's always uh, uh, FaceTime and phone and so forth, but yeah, but I will let leave you with this and our guests this I brought my daughters up to be strong, independent women that uh, truly had a because the title of my book is hope and possibilities just over the horizon over the horizon was my father's line
1: love it
0: and then the sub uh, heading is it's never too early or too late to create the life of your dreams okay I, I never too help. early kids or too late and that's what i'm doing now my dear friend sharon Lecter said to me in this past year she said megan you're not retiring, you're refiring. So-
1: No, that's, that's so good. And and I'll leave you with this as we close. I always say this, but my pastor did a message not too long ago, a couple of years, him and his, actually his mentor, Pastor Rick Godwin, who's from Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rick said, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it talks about retiring. You know? Yeah, it does not. He's like, we don't just sit on the couch and watch TV. And he said, maybe that's for some people, but I don't see that in the Bible. It's for me to, to fulfill the destiny and calling upon my life. So guys, if you the only way people get to hear this I can just promise you when male or female, if you're listening to this, you know, somebody that needs to hear Megan's story, stories are what impact people's lives. Stories are what changes the momentum of somebody's life. They can hear one thing and boom, just like Megan did, just like my friend Leah did, just like all the people I've interviewed, they had one thing that happened to them and boom, their lives changed. Megan's Megan's life is continuing to change, right? She's meeting new people. She's got new ideas. She's doing new things. God is fulfilling his calling upon her life. And I say this all the time. The only way people don't get to hear that is if you don't share this and you don't download it and you don't make a comment or give us a review on Megan's session. So please, when you listen to this, please do that. And I say this as I finish. Um, I believe that we should love God first, love people, live with passion vision, and purpose. Bible says people perish for a lack of knowledge and wisdom. Why? Because they don't ask for it. Wisdom is freely given when you ask for it. So if you need wisdom, need knowledge, ask for it. But then once you get it, take action on it. So thanks for listening to another session of the Heat podcast. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you to my guest, Megan DiMartino. I love you guys. And as I said, until the next session, have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the He podcast. We hope you enjoyed be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review. And as always, you can follow Michael on all social media platforms at Michael David Huey or www.michaeldavidhuey.com. Until next time, God bless and take care.